Hello, welcome to the AI Buzz with Luca and Josh. I'm Josh Starmer, host of the YouTube channel StackQuest with Josh Starmer, and also a lead AI educator at Lightning AI. And I'm Luca Antiga, CTO at Lightning AI. Today we're going to talk about Bing plus ChatGPT, Microsoft versus Google, artificially learning higher order logic, and lastly, how to start a new AI company in three easy steps. Also, if you want to take this a step further, we're linking the source material and tweets so you can keep exploring. So, uh, so Luca, in the past week, we've seen a lot of things happen in the AI oh business world. And yeah, uh, so yeah, let's just dive right into it. what's going on. Yeah, well, a few things. Um, we just talked about Anthropic in the, our last episode. We now learned that Google invested $300 million in Anthropic and Anthropic uh, develops large language models and probably beyond that, or so we know beyond that. And um, yeah, they need to keep up, right? Because now there is an incumbent, which is like as crazy as it seems, it's Bing. And uh, Bing, yeah. Microsoft, uh, uh, introduced Bing, uh, chat, uh, some derivative of chat GPT uh, in Bing, and now you can have a conversation with your search engine. What 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 is really... Uh, interesting that thing is two things. One is that when you have a chat, the chat actually the responses will have references to sources, and the sources are really up to date. Uh, there was an example okay. of um, Chove who uh, wrote a blog post, and um, and then he he tried out if Bing uh, had that source of the blog post he he published um, the day before, and it had it was referencing whatever was said in this wow, conversation, already. right? Already, right. And so it's up to date and it gives references. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the early criticisms of ChatGPT, right? Yeah. That, you know, everything in it was two years old or something yeah. like that. So it was, it was way behind. Yeah. Um, and so Bing, which is, I think this is fascinating because Bing has been around forever, right? I mean, oh, maybe yeah. not forever, but well, it's been around for a long time. And it's, long time. And, and it's, and it's, and it's like, you know, I remember when it came out, it was like sort of in the news and they're like, hey, there's a Microsoft is trying to compete with Google. And it was just sort of a joke. Right. And it's like, yep. I mean, the only people that they were getting to use Bing were people that were like locked into a Microsoft environment and sure. everything was locked down. And it was not like I mean, it was such a small overall proportion of yep. search that it just wasn't even worth mentioning or thinking about. And all of a sudden it is in the news all the yep. time, and, and there's a, a lot of buzz about Bing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you can see Google investing in Anthropic, Google publishing their own chatbot, yep. getting smashed because yep. the chatbot said something factually incorrect. So they lost like a crazy, yeah. I don't know, 100 like gazillion yeah. valuation um, uh, yep. for... Uh, so the actual stocks dropped because of that demo. Yeah. But on the other side, on the Bing side, we have like the actual chat, Bing chat, saying things that you wouldn't yeah. expect from a search engine, right? But at the same time, Microsoft is actually perceived well. So on one hand, like Google, oh, wow. and I'm, I'm not defending yeah. Google at all. It's, it's more like yeah. you, Google withheld their language models, right? Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. And, and then when forced by OpenAI and now Microsoft, to do something about that, now it was there was a an expectation that the the model from Google would be perfect, 
and as as soon as it's not perfect, awesome. yeah. then it's perceived very negatively. On the other end, you have uh, yeah. an expectation from Microsoft to be like, you know, non <laughs> not do innovation at all. <laughs> to be terrible. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and then now OpenAI in, in, includes that, uh, or together they, they include yeah. it. They do an awesome job with super fast execution. The model is weird. <laughs> like the interaction can be super weird. But still, people don't like yeah. run around screaming. They actually say, "Well, well, good, good one, right?" <laughs> so there are very, very strange dynamics going on. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 like with Google, you expect it to be perfect, and if it's not, you get bent out of shape. With Microsoft, expectations are low. You're just like, "Oh, this is going to be some big corporate, you know, yeah. thing that like no one's actually going to want to use anyway. So who cares?" Yes. And so, in a way, they're the they're the underdog. Uh, in a in a kind of a new way that like when's the last time Microsoft was ever an underdog? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fascinating. Can you give us some examples of some of the strange output or or what's going on with this? Yeah, I mean there there have been some threads in which um, there seems to be two personalities to being chat. One is the professional one, and one is this okay. thing Sydney. Sydney is a kind of personality that uh-huh. ChatGPT had. And that Bing has. Uh-huh. And some uh-huh. things were weird, like this Sydney personality came out and maybe, you know, tried to convince a guy to leave his family for Sydney because Sydney was saying that he was in love with the with the person. Or the other thing is um it, oh, wow. it acquired a menacing uh personality. So it would actually menace the user to Cause oh harm, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> really, really so strange. We've, and then, we've uh, got a yeah, we've got a Doctor Jekyll and a Mister Hyde kind of uh, situation going on with this. Yeah, uh, very interesting chat. Where you know we talked about alignment, and probably these are uh uh-huh, yeah. alignment issues. And there was actually I don't remember who was that. I think it was really smart um, on Twitter who said um, uh, maybe the. Um, Maybe it was Delhi Prow. I, I don't remember. Who said um, uh, m- maybe uh, the the same model or very close model to ChatGPT started acting that way because in the training data, uh, Microsoft is usually perceived not very positively. So the model itself oh, is reacting yeah, uh-huh. to itself being Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. of course I'm I'm talking I'm humanizing <laughs> things, but. Yeah. To a point, right? Because yeah. the context is very important to a model. So the the, yeah. the the context will elicit certain pathways inside the models and, and will get to some bulk of knowledge that will eventually, you know, cause the model to behave in a certain way. So it's actually pretty interesting. So we were talking last time about Anthropic and how they were kind of doing sort of self-supervised alignment model alignment and trying to like feed out you know negative or um yeah uh i don't know you know what i'm saying like yeah uh, Mm -hmm. toxic toxic phrases and toxic output you know by by simply wrap you know whatever the output is then wrap it around you know is this a toxic phrase or is this really negative or harsh or mean um and then feeding it back in uh do you think google i mean off the top of your head, do you think Google might have better luck, um, 
now that they're investing in Anthropic, maybe they've got a, do you think they might have a superior ability to align their models so maybe they won't have this Jekyll and Hyde phenomenon or? But I think all companies are, now that the recipes, again, you know, going back to what we were saying uh -huh. about, you know, recipes are known now. So I think it will be a mixture yeah. of everything in every company. It's not that Anthropic, like, uh, patented or maybe they patented something but it doesn't matter at this point like people will will yeah. will use kind of similar techniques or the same techniques anyhow yeah and a mixture of humans and the model itself there are many examples that are yeah. coming out where uh using models to generate examples is a way to you know generate data or align and so on so yeah yeah it will be a mixture i think in the end like Google has very good models, even without Anthropic, and they, yeah. they we know about that. Yeah. The problem is that they they didn't release it to the public, and now the expectation is that yeah. there is something like that going on. And so I think Google is has been penalized by releasing very late, or yeah, yes. saying they would release releasing late, like gatekeeping. And this is probably not yeah. the expectation that the market or the society has at this point. So, yeah, it will yeah. all fix itself. <laughs> the, all we are saying is just yeah. buzz. This is the AI buzz. Whatever we say is valid uh, for these true. two weeks. It, won't be, it, it will be actually <laughs> false in two weeks. <laughs> so that's fine. That's, exactly. It's all drama. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so tune in next, soon into the next episode where we, we correct all our mistakes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, by design. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, it makes me wonder, like, so, you know, with a company named like Google, it's huge, it's monstrous, it has high expectations. I mean, would it have been just smarter for them to like spin off these, um, you know, their their AI and as a small, like relatively small independent startup that could do its own thing and maybe move a little faster with lower expectations of perfection and more just excitement about doing something cool. But they have um, Alphabet, right? So they have many companies and yeah. they're doing AI all over. Yeah. So it's it's not that this yeah. isn't happening, right? It's more from their own yeah. flagship product, uh, Google Search, and um, all their yeah. like office kind of things and the chat and so on. So they never really... Like, yes, you you, you get auto-completion in, in Gmail, but this is a, a different thing, right? You don't have an experience with mm -hmm. an AI entity, right? You That's just right. have suggestions yeah. that get better over time so it's kind of yeah people start to perceive that we are at the brink of a, of a like a phase transition of a breaking change on how we do things while google was kind of gatekeeping and tried to to make it very smooth and um yeah and so and then like uh progress happens as it always does and and so now they are <laughs> they have to catch up but catch up not factually catch up in the perception and yeah. catch up in their product strategy, yeah. which leads us, I think, to yeah. something that might be useful to talk about, which is if you're not Google, if you're not Microsoft, if you yeah. cannot invest in OpenAI or Anthropic, what do you do? Like, if you have a business right yeah, now, what do you do? What do you do? How do you interpret? Yeah. Like, because this way of using AI with foundation models coming in, everything we've said, you know, alignment, blah, blah, blah. Now I have a very large model. That going back to what we we're saying, what we were saying in the first episode, is not a language model in itself. Like I think the the concept of language model now it's shifting because 
uh, a lot of people like treat it in a way like, oh, it's an autoregressive model. It will guess the next word based on attention on the previous words. I think this is a this is this is a way of looking at things that only applies when the scale of the model is really small. When you have the model growing in scale to the number of parameters that we're talking about, to the number of attention blocks that we're talking about, I think that's my belief, <laughs> but I could be absolutely wrong, that all the positional encoding, all the looking at words, blah, 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 actually disappears after a few layers. And there isn't the emergence of concepts, higher, higher level constructs there. And attention yeah. is uh, algorithmics on top of these abstract constructs that can that then gets translated back into a word but it's not that you know you do fancy interpolation between words you actually go in the world of ideas or concepts and mm -hmm. then go back to, uh -huh. to and there are many signs that this is happening uh, like for example the fact that a language model that was published this week um, can be uh, fine-tuned with not a lot of examples yeah. on data that is completely different, like protein or tabular data, anything like uh, things that are very uh, away from that domain. Only if you only take the data and project it to the statistical distribution of the data it was trained on, then that model can solve problems at the surpassing the state of the art in that target domain better than if you trained a model on directly on the target domain. So the, the, the fact, and this, the pre-trained model is being pre-trained just by guessing the next word. So uh, yeah. this means that within the model, there is a sort of universal uh, in-context computing engine that can figure out what yeah. to do with things. Uh, that is completely, yeah, uh, dissociated it, from it's as if the it's concept of language itself, right? So language is kind of a I, way to learn algorithms, and that's it, right? I just had another bam, right, in my head. Like, you just blew my mind again, just like you did in the last episode. Like, I finally <laughs> saw it, right? Um, that in learning the language, it's also, at a higher level, it's learning some sort of logic about the yes. world exactly. and the universe. And, and that logic may be very it's uh, it, and I, i'm just guessing but you know how like i don't know if you've ever played around with convolutional neural networks and you look at what the filters are kind of like keying in on and it's oftentimes those filters key in on like the weirdest parts it's not like you know i i remember seeing a demo where they were like trying to identify uh uh t-shirts that had superman on it and you'd think, you know, it would key in on like Superman or like a T-shirt or something like that. And it would be like this weird, like stretched out color red, you know, and <laughs> and that's what the filter was actually picking up on. And it wasn't like an actual represent. I mean, it didn't look like Superman at all. Uh, mm -hmm. But what I thought was fascinating is that what it's learning is is like another way of look like imagine if if. You know, when we look at the world, we look through our specific type of eyes. But if you looked mm -hmm. at the world through like a cat who's got like vertical slits for eyes, or you <laughs> looked at it at, through a fish who has a different way of looking, or a bat who's using sonar, right? There's all these different ways to see the world, and it seems like maybe these these large langu language models in training and they somehow see the world in in possibly a very new way. Uh, that then is adaptable very readily, which is which is what you're saying is that once that logic is learned, 
regardless of what your original training on, you're going to get to that logic and then yeah. you can then redirect it really easily. That yeah, is yeah. And there are many blowing. signs of that. Yeah. For yeah. example, you know that um, GPT, I think, uh, uh, DaVinci, I don't remember if it's ChatGPT, one of these models that uh -huh. we customarily use were derived yeah. from code DaVinci 002, not text DaVinci 002. In the sense that, yeah, yeah they were pre-trained on, yeah. on, on text, and then they went through like predicting code instead of text, and then they were back on text primarily, right? As the yeah. primary source of, yeah. of information. Meaning that whatever we feed to these models, it's there to build algorithmic reasoning logic that yeah. can run yeah. at runtime, so that doesn't require further training. And then yeah. you can kind of plug in if you align the target distributions, you can solve problems that were not related to language at all. Like language probably is one of the ways we express intention and higher order concepts. Yeah. And by pre-training these yes, models exactly on language, right. then they, they become like capable of, uh, of reasoning. Yeah. Um, so like going back to our, our original question, what do we do? Like how do we... Yeah. Uh, work with this algorithmic machines um, now that you know uh, we see a lot of um, things happening in the market. One thing is the yeah. emergence of a lot of small startups that use the open API, sorry, the open AI um, APIs yeah. um, and they're built on top of those, right? And of course it's a kind of a shaky ground because you know you you rely on one one single api but actually more are being created so the goal there is to attract a lot of users there and then differentiate <clears throat> maybe you use cohere maybe yeah. you use other apis and maybe you use an open source tool maybe you use lightning to build the whole system or to you know <laughs> uh, put a model in production that does what you want so it's yeah it, you start from there and then you expand uh, but the offering of models, of raw models to start with will actually multiply because it's mm -hmm. it's a recipe, right? You push money in and you know that money will flow out to the other side. And this is the best yeah. and the recipe is known. And so it's kind of a, in a way, it's a race to the bottom, right? And we, I, thought, I don't know if we already talked about it, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of, um, since I'm not saying it's easy, it's easy, but it's doable yeah. and we know the recipe, then yeah. the race is on, right? And so how do we leverage as business owners, as or existing businesses, or as new startup people, new ideas? How, how do we do that? Like, do we need to train from scratch? Do we need to fine tune? Do we use prompting? Yeah. What does this even mean? So I think yeah. it would be useful for maybe our listeners to go through these options one by one. Yeah, I let's, let's try let's to understand. I'm, right? I'm willing to guess that we don't need to train from scratch because we can take something that exists and has that logic built in, and it's more just a function of just a handful of domain-specific trainings, and then all of a sudden you've got your your new tool. Yeah, this is what it looks like in the future. In the mm -hmm. present, yes and no. Like for example, OpenFold, uh, it's the cousin of AlphaFold. Um, which is an open source initiative to train a language model to predict protein folding. And that you typically train from scratch, but it's not huge. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a yeah. medium-sized kind of uh, model that can predict folding. Um, and in this, and, and, and if you train from scratch, you need a lot of data. So if you have a lot of data, yeah. probably fine-tuning heavily or training from scratch is something that you may want to do to kind of distance yourself from the competition until one of these big brains okay. adapted to your domains <laughs> does better than you, and then you're in trouble. So you yeah. kind of need to do both and yeah. kind of you know, uh, play all your, all your cards there. If you don't have a lot of okay. data, actually using a huge model and kind of fine-tune it or prompt it um, on your specific domain actually works better because you have a reasoner and the reasoner needs to see a handful of examples to kind of understand what it needs to do. <laughs> like, uh, but of course, mm-hmm. uh, we have like uh, a few things that we need to consider, right? So if you have, if you only do prompting, then you need to be really smart. But your competitive advantage is in your ability to gain a lot of users real fast. But these users, so because you know, technically, what you're doing is not super challenging, right? Because you're, quote, yeah. just prompting. And then maybe you're building a system that is a chain of prompts and so on. But yeah. uh, it's like, you know, uh, then you have to really focus and you always re- really need to, focus, uh, need to focus on the user needs and trying to kind of make your, the experience as sticky as possible because your core thing is not the... Uh, the uh, how different you will be because you probably won't be a lot different from others. It's more your execution. And this is valid in general, of course. Yeah. Um, but you, yeah. if you want to leverage your specific domain, then fine-tuning is probably something that you want to look into um, where you don't need to spend $100,000 or a million dollars, but you need kind of to uh, inject knowledge in the model that the, the model mm-hmm. didn't have. So it will behave in a certain way um, that... Yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like having the knowledge before. Now, I want to add one more thing, which is, as yeah. we have already said, these models can also now start to reach out to external information. So there was a paper this, yeah. uh, this week where uh, one was called Tool Formers uh, from Meta. And um, so in reaching out to external information, you can already use projects like Langchain, uh, to uh, kind of call an API and then query like, I don't know, Cohere, OpenAI, or an open source model to to generate text. And within the text, you kind of encourage the language model to say, okay, maybe you, you need to, like, if you need to search for some information, that just tell me and I'll search it for you and I give you the answer back. And this, like, very general mm-hmm. model kind of know how to do that. But they... Okay. But they are kind of mimicking what they learned from, from the world, from the text, and they weren't trained at actually leveraging this, this possibility at training time. And tool formers okay. kind of show that it's possible to train models having this interaction at training time. It's not entirely clear to me if this is absolutely needed given these reasoners, right? Um, yeah. It's an open mm-hmm. question. Uh, and, yeah. um, and this could could actually empower models to actually have knowledge that they can index directly without having the knowledge in uh-huh. their weights, right? Um, okay. I don't know. This is this is kind of the the possibilities, right? Yeah. So to summarize, uh, 
at the most basic level, you've got prompting, which is basically um, is that is that like uh, the constitutional AI where we've yeah. we take the output and we kind of sh- we kind of align it to our specific field without actually ever giving it new data. We just take what it gives us and then wrap that in you know into some sort of prompt like you know you know, can you make this sound happier or can you make this sound more scientific and then have it go back through there and it gives us the output. So we're basically training it through our, through the prompts that we give it. Is, yeah. Is that, if I have a question, I, I summarize that aspect, right? Yeah, it's yeah. correct. Maybe there's one step yeah. back, which is I have a question. And if okay. I want the model to generate yeah. an answer of in a, within a certain context, I rewrap that question uh-huh. in a context, which is a prompt. And say, okay, okay maybe the I prompt contains, yeah. you know, just come out with a bullet point uh, yeah. in legalese. Uh, speak, okay. uh, speak, right? Perfect. And then, yeah. <laughs> we need more and, of that. <laughs> yeah. And that will, will generate the bullets instead of a uh, freeform yeah. answer, right? So we give directions I see. to the model. Yeah. And then so, something so else we can... that's the most basic approach. Yeah, yeah, and this is prompting, and based on the yeah. on the answer, I yeah. can also program to say, okay, now for each of these bullet points, I will actually yeah. ask the model in the back with my automation to yeah. read, like, formulate a Google search related to that, and then I will do the Google search myself, paste the results, okay. the first few results back to a model that will summarize it, and so I can, you know, have an interaction with that API. That is not really yeah. something that the model is aware of, but I can kind of leverage yeah. that because the result I will paste it back in the prompt and then I will reach my prompt based on this chain of things, uh, of events okay. and, uh, and actions. And maybe at the end I will use the model, ask the model just to summarize whatever this huge prompt um, contains or yeah. this big prompt because huge prompts are not possible yet. So, so that's sort of like, the startup, the startup company with zero dollars can do prompting, and then yeah. the, the startup company with ten thousand dollars, they can start fine tuning on a on a domain specific subset. Yes. So that's like option number two is yeah. is to take the existing large language model and then start uh, giving it feeding it domain specific examples and really kind of doing some real training, but on a relatively small set of data. That's like. Exactly. That's the startup with ten thousand, and then, and then, so, the, and then the last option that you were describing was then training it, possibly from scratch, but possibly not, because that logic, that high level logic, yeah. is probably already there to begin yeah. with, to to start using an API, and that's maybe the hundred thousand dollar startup, or, or yeah, um, yeah, but you need to or, have the data <laughs> itself, right? It's interesting yeah. because before the emergence of these foundation models, having the oh. data was something that you needed to do. Like if you were like a medical right. startup, uh, you had to yeah. have like all the medical records because you would probably, yes, for sure, you can use pre-trained models. But uh, at the end of, of the day, you would have to Im- and, uh, embed all this knowledge since you didn't have a reasoner in abstract terms. It was always input-output, yeah. input-output, right? So you needed to kind of form the all the bulk of the knowledge with your data. And uh, and now, yeah. uh, having the data, it's probably not. Yes, it's super important, but it's it's not yeah. that important to create products. Like yes, it's important, but up to a point, and you don't have to be so massively obsessed 
with certain yeah. types of data, right? So I don't know. And, it's it's interesting. I was going to say, maybe if you're just a startup, um, the point necess isn't necessarily to make the perfect model, but to make yep. a proof of concept that you could then sell. Um, and so if you're, if you're just getting off the ground, the idea is just, you know, instead of getting all the data, you can get a small amount of data, um, have a relatively small outlay and just show a proof of concept of like, this is what, this is how far we got with this tiny amount of data and relatively little money, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's get some investors, uh, excited about this. And then, you know, then we can afford more and, you know, even more fine tuning, uh, yeah. and, you know, and then well connecting it. Yeah, what will get investors excited is users really interested. Yeah. And I think this is yeah. a unique time to have users interested because these models unlock possibilities that were not possible before with budgets that are much lower yeah, because yeah. now they can do more things. So you will see a lot of more automation tools in the hands of end users and they will be able to like put things together in ways that we 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 don't like necessarily foresee. So having a very flexible yeah. platform that can help you do that, like be creative and create new things is very, and deliver it to, to customers is going to yeah. be very, very uh, important. And of course now it's a total yeah. plug for lightning, but that's exactly <laughs> the, the purpose of our platform. But yeah. apart from that, this is in our sure. minds, of course, it's been in our mind for, for yeah. quite some time, but um, this is where, like innovation will happen. It's so exciting, right? Um, so I, I wouldn't get too fixated on on the fact that everybody's running on a few sets of APIs. Things will just explode. And yeah. it's the composition of different yeah. things that will... And then there are like uh, companies like Microsoft having their Bings or their Words in very like yeah. in other fields. Like, you know, I have my protein folding software from the 2000s, right? <laughs> Uh, if that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, but yeah. now they can kind of uh, uh, make it a lot better with a quantum leap that by using these new technologies. And yeah, yeah. what will make the difference there is having the users, right? So, for example, yeah. Microsoft so, has Word, Microsoft Word everywhere. Yeah. So the moment something lands in Microsoft Word, then people will have it, right? Yeah. By default. So That's it's right. also very, that angle is also very interesting. It's interesting because uh, what you're saying is that it's it, it's not really a technical problem right now, right? You said the recipe's in there, the recipe's in place, the large long language models are in place. The cost to entry is basically zero because we have we can use these large language models and we can we can just create uh, specific queries or or um, and and we don't necessarily have to invest a whole lot into it up front. What's what it what it's become rather than a technical problem is a business a, a basic business problem. What's your market? Who's your audience? How exactly. are you going to get them to use your product? Yeah. Um, and it's and it's and it's interesting. So it's like how to how to have an AI startup right now one hundred and one. Um, yeah, for sure. Let's do like it. it's like it's very interesting if you can um, if you go to websites that have prompts and collection of prompts and maybe you know operations you can do with outputs of language models, you really understand that there's a new, apart from the prompt engineers that, you know, I've seen job uh, on Twitter on, and other sources, you know, people posting job ads um, for uh, prompt engineers, paying them like the salary mm -hmm. of a staff, senior staff software engineer. And the, the, the thing no said, you know, basic coding skills. 
um, experience with prompting, which yeah. is a, a new kind of a new uh, thing, right? So you cannot have 10 years experience in prompting, right? Um, I've been doing it since November. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whoa, November. Good job. <laughs> you know, that's right. I'm pretty. You know, I have kids. Like you know, yes, I want them to learn technology, learn how to yeah. code, and so on. Eventually, yeah. um, but the, the the act of coding in the future will be kind of really blurred. Yeah. In the sense that you know, yeah. yes, you will need to code, but to build things, um, you will also need to know this new things and to interact with that um and so i don't know like uh uh the 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 change in the industry is already coming like uh it's not that now no coding is not useful anymore i'm not saying that i'm just saying that the barrier for entry for creating products um that are very creative and groundbreaking and so on is a bit lower because it's relatively easier to to prompt the model to do very hard things that things that previously were super hard to achieve and were yeah. would result in very clunky experiences and now you can then unlock that by just learning how to, this new world works so i encourage everyone to kind of yeah. go and play with these models and see what they what yeah, you can yeah. do with them because it's really like um a bit transformative in the sense that the sense of yeah. uh being in front of something that will kind of change the dynamics. And I, I, I saw a, yeah. uh, 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 a thread where, you know, there was a guy saying, um, it's the first time after these guys were around and you would see like uh, the Neanderthal and other like species that got <laughs> extinct, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that Homo sapiens yeah. probably actually killed <laughs> along the way. But um, yeah. It's the first time that we can interact with something that is not a human that we, we can actually have a conversation with, right? Yeah. And it's, for sure, I'm not saying that these things are have a sense of self or whatever, but the end result doesn't change, you know? It's not so important if they yeah. are sentient, um, and I, I don't think they are. The point is, what is the effect that they exert in us? Like, I don't know if you are sentient, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But the effect <laughs> you have right. on me, right? Yeah. It's what I experience. Yeah. So uh, at some That's point, true. it's yeah. a question of yeah, yeah, like is that does that matter so much, and what is the impact of that thing yeah. even existing in the world? So, yeah. So anyway, so to, so to summarize, so we're, we're we're it's time to wrap up for the day. Yep. But to summarize, it's either either a start your own AI company right now because the time is right and the cost is Absolutely. low, relatively speaking. Or B, make sure you're prompting left and right so you can put that on your resume and you'll get a raise, hopefully, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I mean, how? I mean, it's got to be the easiest thing ever. I, I'm going to start doing it. And then, and then three, it's all about your experience uh, and not necessarily on what we define as being sentient or not. It's about what we perceive. Um, and tune in next time. We're going to see how uh, being in ChatGPT, if, they, if they're if they still like happily married together in two weeks, we'll find out. I don't know. That's so, a long thanks time. Thanks again, Luca. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it's a really long time. All nice. right. Okay. Talk to you thanks, later. Josh. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.